Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Salem United Methodist Church Conway. You can find us on the web at salemumcconway.org. Our epistle lesson for today will be from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely beaten or severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew a sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the, his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had become, he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole household. These are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witness of these things. I am going to send you what my father promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, 
he lifted his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I prayed over these scriptures from the moment I got them. I prayed for what to speak about, for the grace to reach whoever needed to hear the words that I'm supposed to say today. I told some of the group that was gathered before, I've rewritten this 12 times, several of them late last night, because God and I were having a disagreement. I thought I should say one thing and he thought something else. Three guesses who won. I chose for what I was going to speak about, the title of The Power to Work. And I thought it was so strange at the time because it just barely fit, but it makes sense now. I want you to think back to when you were younger. Teenage years, childhood, the first loss you remember. A pet, a loved one, if it makes a memory, it was important to you. I remember mine very well. The first loss I remember experiencing was my grandfather that we called Poppy. We thought that was pretty unique. I remember getting the news, and depending on the day, I remember being either nine or 12, so somewhere in that vicinity. And my mother came home from work early, which was rare, because my mom worked long hours and hard to provide everything. And she told us, and I was devastated. I had lived part of my life with my grandparents. And our son rose and sat with our poppy. I locked myself in the bathroom, and I cried. And I remember very distinctly looking up when I finally stopped crying and realizing I had cried through an entire roll of bath tissue. And that was a big thing back then because you had to replace the roll and I couldn't reach it. That was a distinct memory for me. And I remember being mad because we had been going to church and we knew about God and we knew about love. And I remember being angry that he had been taken. When I was young, this was the feeling I imagined the apostles had when Jesus was taken from them. I imagined them being hurt, angry, and slightly fearful because your whole world changes when you experience that loss. As I got older, God and I had disagreements. As you can tell, those still happen. But when I turned oh, 24, 25, something like that. I thought back and I remembered my mother holding me when I finally came out of the bathroom. And she held me tight and she said, and I don't think I'll ever forget my mom saying this and I don't know if she even remembers. She said, don't cry because he's gone. You can cry because you're going to miss him but do not cry because he's gone. He doesn't hurt anymore. He is in heaven and it's a good and happy place. And I remember thinking, you've lost your mind. 
My poppy is gone. Everything is wrong. As I got older, I got married, started a life, and on Valentine's Day, two years back, I lost my other grandfather, the one that sort of dragged me kicking and screaming to God. And he asked us to play a song that clicked in my mind, and it's what I thought of when I prayed these scriptures. It's called Celebrate Me Home. Some of you may know it. In it, it says, celebrate me home. Celebrate me there. Celebrate me in a land of promise that nothing can compare. Celebrate me saved by grace. And looking back now, I see that what my mom was trying to tell me all those years before was that going to heaven is a joyful thing. The scripture I just read said that while he was blessing the apostles, he was taken up, he ascended, Ascension Sunday, ascended. It took me a minute to get that. But I have to think that's where they got their joy. I am sure that they were sad because he was gone from them but they celebrated because he was going somewhere better. And even more, it was promised that he would return to them in the way that he had gone. He told us he was sending yet another great gift. And he did. What my father has promised, I will send you. He promised us the power to work and he promised to work through us. I understand now why we should celebrate the lives of those we have lost, because they touch people. I understand now why we celebrate Easter. It's not a time of mourning, it is a joyful celebration. It makes sense to me as an adult, whereas as a child it kind of confused me why we were having a party to celebrate someone's death. Ascension, going to heaven, Death is not a threat, it is a promise. It is a reassurance that no matter what we are experiencing in our lives, someday it will be better. It's a hard concept to grasp, I struggle with it sometimes. But it's a promise. And in the meantime, we are equipped to do great things. I told some of the youth on Wednesday that I was so proud of them and they didn't even know why. I am part of an international group that works to prevent suicide. I spend all hours talking to people of all races, religions, and creeds, sometimes in languages that I don't speak through an online translator. Our youth group is equipped to do amazing things. I often hear people say, when they're older, they'll do great things. Correction, they are doing great things. This past week, I had the honor of praying with someone for their first time as they accepted Christ into their lives. It is nothing that I taught them, but everything that the teenagers of this church did. This was a young man that did not believe that God could move in his life because he was not worth it. Some of you were here when I spoke before. You understand that I have struggles with worth. And as I talked to this young man, he told me of horrific things 
that had happened in his life, some of which I had experienced, and some of which I hope to God no one else ever does. And he said, I almost ended my life, but when I was sitting in the group chat, I heard you talking about your youth group and how they were going to do missions, and they're not even adults yet. I said, yeah. He said, so tell me about this God that you supposedly believe in. How is he in the world today when he died years ago? How is he there? And I explained faith with the old oxygen metaphor. You can't see it, you can't touch it, but you breathe it. Faith is much the same. In the end, through much talking, he came to realize that God moved in the world not as a visible, physical presence himself, but through the actions of Christians. See, that ascension, that promise, it's ours. It's yours, it's mine, it's everyone's that we can tell if we can only convince them. The power to move, the guidance to move, is a gift and it's great. It was not my idea to get involved with people in other countries in languages that I don't speak. I am not that confident. But to be able to have someone say, do you understand that the little things you talk about change the world? Now, I have no idea how far Romania is from this church. But this church, without ever sending a missionary to him, touched a life in Romania. A young man that was ready to say he was done. I believe he's 23 years of age. That's five years younger than me. It's five years older than some of our kids. To me, that's still a baby. <laughs> he's got so much growing to do. But his world was so bad, his hurt was so great, and he felt so alone that he was ready to be done. You never know who you impact by what you do. You never know when that Sunday afternoon that you give up to pack meals, that person, you give your lunch because they look hungry. That little girl that you just smile at and say, your dress looks pretty today. That's the power that God gave us to move. Sometimes a smile is all it takes to save a life. God didn't say, you have to take up everything you've got and go to Romania, to go to Italy. Yes, for some that is a calling, but he did tell us to exhibit love, to be his hands and feet, to be the church in the world You'd think it was difficult by the way that some people act. And I feel sorry for them. Because being a Christian, when you are truly led by God, is sometimes the hardest thing you will ever do. And sometimes it is the simplest action you will ever take. Sometimes it is a big, booming voice. And sometimes it's a little quiet whisper but we are all given that power. And it began immediately with his ascension. Another amazing gift. He didn't ask you to do this alone. He didn't tell you that you had to do this without help. He gave you a guiding light, a piece of him to lead you.
Sometimes it is hard. There are some weeks I do not want to sign into that chat because I do not want to see somebody else hurting that badly. Some days I just want rainbows and butterflies. But if I make the decision not to move forward in a way that I know Christ has called me, am I condemning someone else to a life without Christ? Am I signing someone's death warrant because I wasn't there to speak kindness? Those smiles you give, some of you when I walk in the room, you smile and you shake my hand and you ask me how I'm doing. And some days that is what holds me together by a thread. I asked you guys to pray some weeks ago for a friend that had brain surgery. She's had lots of them. Last night at 10.33 in the evening, 11.33 for her, we were rewriting sermons. God has moved in her life enough that she wanted to have a hand in what I was doing here at Salem. She's Catholic, she's not Methodist, but she felt like this church was important and she took the time to be a part of this. You matter. If you take nothing else from what I say to you today, please know you matter. You have great worth. If you never know what you've done in someone else's life, know that at some point in time, if you have showed love, you have greatly affected them. God called us to do this. Each person has something they are meant to do. I pray that you keep your hearts open for the guidance of that promise. I pray that you be ready to listen to whatever that call is. Because while it is not always easy to discern, it is always there. I ask that you continue to be in prayer for the missions this church moves in. And I ask that you prayerfully consider where God is leading you. Because I will tell you that my faith was greatly influenced by a 93-year-old woman that fed me one time when I was hungry. She never said, I'm too old. I have had a five-year-old child speak the Bible to me in a way that profoundly impacted how I looked at Christ. She didn't say, I'm just a kid. My best friend in probably the entire world is stuck with a cane for the rest of her life because she has had so much brain damage, her body can't do it on her own. She never said, I'm handicapped and I'm not able. Don't let your mind be what holds you back from what God calls you to do. Because ladies and gentlemen, what I'm telling you now is not what was in my notes about this sermon. But a lot of amazing people reminded me to let go and let God. I'm asking you to do the same. Thank you very much for listening today. May God be with you all. Thank you for listening. We hope you will join us in worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. We're located at 1018 Salem Road in Conway, Arkansas.